one more thing I want to highlight to you is that we will have communion at the end of this uh, message. So if you're watching from home, make sure you get your elements out, your bread or, or uh, matzahs and, um, and your grape juice. Uh, leave the wine till later. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, but anyway, get it ready. Um, and um, so we, we can celebrate communion here in this room, but also in the homes. So we're going to be speaking today uh, from Isaiah chapter 61, and um, we're going to be speaking about what good news looks like. How many of you want good news? We all like good news, right? And, um, and joyful news as well. And obviously the Christmas season is the perfect time to be looking, to be looking at what good news looks like, uh, because that's what we're celebrating in the Christmas season. And uh, it's, you know, it's good to think about the, the good news of Jesus' first coming. And that is good news for the whole world. And that's good news for you and for me. So we're zooming in on Isaiah chapter 61. And it's because it so well, well paints the picture of the coming Messiah, who has already come, obviously, about 2,000 years ago, and who will be returning as well. So let's pray. Father, we come to you at this moment. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all those prophecies in the Old Testament that look forward, that looked forward to the coming of your son, Jesus the Messiah, and uh, speak to our hearts this morning as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Isaiah 61 verse 1 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound. But what does it say here? The Messiah, the anointed king, Jesus is the anointed one, the anointed king will bring good news. He is the one bringing it. And in the Greek, the the term good news, uh, because the the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, uses the term evangelion. It it speaks about this good news. And um, so that's really what the, the, the the words that are being used here. It's it's evangelion, and in fact, it's the word evangelisastai, which is a more difficult term, but it's all tied in with this term evangelion, good news. So Isaiah 52 already uh, speaks about that same messianic figure. It's something that is, you know, you can find it everywhere in the, in the Old Testament, but in particular in Isaiah. And Isaiah 52 says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring Good news. Who proclaim peace, shalom, right? Shalom is, the, is not just the absence of war, the absence of strife. Shalom is a state of wholeness that God wants for all of us. Who, pro, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So this figure, he brings good tidings, he brings good news. Again, the word evangelion is tied up in the Greek here of the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament. And what's really interesting is the word salvation. Because in the Hebrew, that is the word Yeshua. Now, the word Yeshua, we've, we've used that name before. It's also a name, and it's the name of Jesus. That is also Yeshua. So, actually, the name of Jesus is already, you know, right here in the Old Testament. Uh, but but as, as, as a noun here, as, as salvation, as, you know, God wants to save us. And so the, so the name of Jesus already locked up here in the Old Testament text. What a powerful promise 
And what a powerful, basically, prophecy of this figure that is coming in the future, the, the person of Jesus. He who, he who brings salvation. His name means Yahweh saves. So he brings salvation. And I love this. Your God reigns. That's how this verse ends. Your God reigns. Our, our God reigns as king. And I, I think it's the best summary of the Old Testament message of the gospel, the Old Testament version of the good news. Before Jesus came to this earth, the Old Testament was already looking forward to that moment when our God, in the person of his son Jesus Christ, who is also God himself, will reign on the earth as king. I can tell you this, it's going to be a good day when Jesus finally takes his full place as the rightful king in this world. I mean, it's still like we're living in the in-between phase, right? So Jesus already came the first time. He already kind of started his kingdom. And we get to live out the kingdom as his people, as the ecclesia. But we're looking forward to the moment where he is going to return. And the return is going to be soon. And he's going to fully manifest the kingdom here on earth and deal with unrighteousness. And everything else, all the injustices that we see in the world today. I love it how the Old Testament speaks about the gospel. This is the core of the good news. Our God, Yahweh, Yeshua, he reigns as king in this world. But let's go back to our verse in Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Let's pause right there. So the spirit of the Lord is upon this messianic fear, upon God himself, Jesus, to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of prison to those who are bound. God has come. Jesus has come to, for those who realize their need of him. This is the key thing for us to realize. Jesus didn't come for those who think they have their act together, for, for those who think they don't need God. He came for those who actually realize their need of him. Luke 5, 31 and 32, Jesus says this, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous or those who, are, who think they're righteous to repentance, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for them. This is really important for us to know when you, when you look at the Bible. Jesus came for the poor. He came for the sick. He came for the hurting. He came for the downtrodden. He came for those burdened by sin. He came for all of those. But he didn't come for those who think they're healthy. He didn't come for those who think they have their act together. He came for those who realize their need of him. This is, there's something really important here. And it ties in very well with what I shared about Zimbabwe, one of the poorest countries in the world at the moment. If the good news is no good news for the poor, if it is no good news for the sick, the hurting, the downtrodden, it is no good news at all. So if we, as, as I don't know, many of us are in the middle class or 
If it's just good news for the middle class, if it's just good news for the rich, it is not the gospel. And there needs to be a power, it needs to be a powerful message to those who are actually in need. And when the Messiah, when he announces good news, this is, you know, back to the prophecy in Isaiah, he delivers hope. He will deliver hope to the nation of Israel, a hope of deliverance from Babylon and from the Babylon world system. This is really important to see here in the text. It's like Jesus, like, like the Messiah addresses the need that, the, that Israel had being in captivity in Babylon. They were, they were because of their sin, they were led away to, to Babylon. They, were, they came under the oppression of a foreign power as, a ju- as judgment of the Lord, but the Lord wanted to set them free again and lead them back to the nation of Israel, set them in freedom again. But there's something that I call, that I refer to as the Babylonian world system. In fact, when you look at the, at, at Revelation, the book of Revelation, last book in the Bible, it speaks about Rome as if it is Babylon. You know, God will bring judgment on Babylon, but it's actually speaking about Rome. It's like code language for, for Rome. And Rome, whether you call it Rome or, or Babylon or the U.S. government or the Dutch government or any other government or any other human system that is designed to oppress people or to bring hierarchy in the world is, is a system that can be compared to the Babylonian world system. Of course, we need governments. You know, there needs to be, you know, some form of, you know, government in place in, in every country. However, when it starts to oppress people, when it starts to bring a hierarchy that is uh, into the world, it's not supposed to be that way. God created us all equal. He created us to be be equals from one another. That is really the biblical pattern right here. So when a system is designed to bring that hierarchy, to bring, make a difference between the, the, the wealthy and the poor and those who have power and those who don't have power, it is, it is, I refer to it as the Babylon world system because that's what it's designed to do. But Jesus is not only the preacher of good news, of deliverance from Babylon, Jesus is the good news himself. He is able to give what he announces. Jesus is the good news. He he declares the good news to the poor in particular. And those who are poor are not necessarily only those who are financially and materially poor, as maybe some of us or or the people in Zimbabwe or other parts of the world where people are suffering. It is also more than just an oppressed minority who who are righteous and who are being being oppressed by the system. The poor are also also those who are distressed and in trouble for any reason, including the power of sin. That's what this freedom, that's the freedom this Messiah wants to announce. Jesus said that he had not only come to announce good news to those who were, sorry, let me take that back. Jesus didn't come to just preach good news to those who are comfortable. He's come to preach good news to those who are actually in trouble in this world, to those who are in bondage, to those who need God's victory over whatever they're facing in their lives, in their daily lives. So when you look at the poor, when you think about the Bible using this term poor, it's many categories of people. One of them is this. We're, you know, it's those who are so broken by life that they have, have no more heart to try to get out of their oppression. The poor are also those who are bound up by their addictions that freedom is a cruel mirage. The poor are also those who are 
those who think they will never again experience the favor of the Lord in their lives because of the mistakes that they've made in their lives. The poor also, those who are so in despair that they think that the Lord will never give his just vengeance against those who have abused them and misused them. The poor are those who think that their lives hold nothing more than just ashes and sackcloth and the fainting heaviness of despair. Those are the poor. Not just those who are financially poor, but all these groups of people. And to those, the Messiah shouts, good news, good news. Wonderful news for all of us. The question is if the servant or if the Messiah just simply declares some empty words to the poor. I believe there's something way more than that. I believe that what what the Messiah speaks, what he announces, what he declares is something that is going to happen. It's something that will accomplish what he speaks of. He will gather up the broken hearts. He will banish them together. You know, that's what this text was speaking about. He will bind up the broken heart. And even more than that, he will announce liberty and release. You gotta, you know, you, you have to have images in your head of, of kings who announce amnesty, who announce freedom to those who are like captives and prisoners. Like a new king comes to town and, hey, open up those prison doors. Amnesty. This is only possible if the king, if the king that we serve, King Jesus, if he's higher than all the worldly kings here in the earth. Because those worldly kings and rulers and authorities, they hold their people captive. They hold their people under some sort of oppression. But, but the Messiah announces freedom to everyone. He announces freedom to you and to me. He announces freedom to our nation. He announces freedom to this world. The question is, will we receive it for ourselves? Freedom. Is what he wants to give. Jesus' good news is good news for those who seek righteousness and justice in the earth. Jesus' good news is good news for those who submit themselves to his reign, which is so beautifully demonstrated through the act of communion, which is what we're going to do in a couple of moments. I want to read with you, you know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12, which are the Beatitudes. It's, it's part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. And what I love about the Sermon on the Mount is that it is like a, a reenactment of what God did in the Old Testament. You know, Moses going up onto Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments. But what's happening right here goes a couple of steps further because, you know, there's actually this new covenant. God wants to write his laws in our hearts. And, 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 and what you see right here is that he, he counts some people blessed who've actually made this this law of the Old Testament, their life, who don't live by, um, le- uh, by legalistic rules, but who actually embrace God's law and make them their own, who live by the word of God. So let's just read this. You know, Jesus says this, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How many of you need, need comfort? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How amazing that is. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They're the ones who bring shalom into the earth. 
Blessed are, the, are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you. I just want to zoom in on verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who realize their need for the Lord, those who realize that in and of themselves they are poor, those who realize that they need God. And hopefully that's you as you came in this morning. Hopefully that's you as you're watching the live stream. We need God. We just can't do this on our own. We, we need to hunger and first after him, after his righteousness. We need to, we need to hunger for, 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 for more of him in our lives. We need to be poor in spirit. Because when we're poor in spirit, that's when the kingdom of heaven becomes ours. And may his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. We're living in a time where, you know, it feels like there's a big um, clash happening between two kingdoms right now. But I believe that there's one kingdom that will stand, and it's God's kingdom. And if Jesus is the Lord of our hearts, if he's king over our hearts, if he's king over our families, we're going to stand with him. I believe that everything that is opposed to the will of God will be broken. I believe that all the unrighteousness and injustice that we're experiencing in society at the moment will be broken off in Jesus' name. And yes, that will happen when Jesus returns fully. But we as the children of God, we as the sons and daughters of God, we as those who are submitted to his reign are the ones who are called to bring righteousness and justice into the earth wherever we go. We're called to live for him. We're called to live according to his principles. We're called to, to, um, to show who he is in the world around us. When, when the world gets darker and darker, his light in us and through us becomes brighter and brighter. That's our call. That's his call to us. That's his call to you and to me this morning. I love Matthew 6, 33. It's, it's one of the main texts that we, you know, that we focus so much on here at Celebration Church. Seek first. Before anything else we do in our lives, before seeking wealth, uh, earthly treasure, before seeking good careers or, 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 or a nice house or whatever else, we seek first the kingdom of God. We seek first his kingdom. When we seek God, we seek his kingdom as well. You know, those God himself and his kingdom, they're intertwined. That's the gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. We seek his kingdom. We seek for his kingdom to, to become manifest here in the, in the world. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, what does it mean, his righteousness, God's righteousness? It's God's righteous ways. We cannot say we serve the king and we're not following the king's ways. We cannot, you know, just... Keep living our lives as normal when, when we truly say that Jesus is, 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 is our king. 
we got to follow his ways. we got to live out his ways here in the earth. So Jesus calling us to not only seek first his kingdom, but to also seek his ways, his righteous ways, and, and, and show those, represent those here in the world. When we do this, all the other things that we need will be added to us. We don't have to worry about these things. Don't, Jesus says that we shouldn't worry about the, the day of tomorrow because today has enough troubles of his own. You know, God clothes the lilies of the field. He, he feeds the birds and all these animals. He, he can feed us. But he's calling us to put our eyes, to focus our eyes on him in the middle of a storm. He calls us to focus on his king, on his kingdom here in the world and to work according to his kingdom patterns and bring in his righteous ways in the earth. Celebration Church Netherlands, we can make a difference. We can make a difference here in the Netherlands. We can make a difference here on our doorstep. We can make a difference down in Zimbabwe. We can make a difference all around the world where we're represented as a church. He's calling you and me to be the difference, to be the difference. I want to go back to one verse in Isaiah 52, one of the verses that we read in the beginning. It says, your God reigns. Your God reigns. That's the summary of the gospel as it was found in the Old Testament. And God wants us to manifest that in our day to day. He wants us to demonstrate this in our day to day. That's why we're going to do communion this morning. You know, communion is all about, it's, you know, it's, it's so much more than just a symbol. You know, I had some interesting discussions with a friend of mine, Todd Corpy. He's a, just doing his master's in missions. And, and he's very much into, like, understanding what things like communion and, and baptism, all these things are, are about. The communion is, I love a, a theologian who wrote a book. It's called Sub- and he calls the book subversive meals. When we do communion, it's a subversive meal. It's, we're standing up against everything that doesn't belong to God and we're, we're aligning ourselves with him. We, we're declaring loyalty to him as we have communion. You know, we live in a world that's, you know, it's not only the physical world, world that's happening around us. There's also a spiritual world that, that is around us. There's spiritual powers behind the earthly powers that we can see with our eyes. We always got to have that, that, we always have to realize that when we look at the news. It's not just what's, ha- what's happening, what you see on the, on the news websites. There is a spiritual world behind it. And when we have communion, when we identify with Jesus, first of all, with his death, his resurrection, his return, through communion, but also through water baptism. We align ourselves with him. We declare loyalty to him. We demonstrate our loyalty to him. But we're also saying to those spiritual powers, hey, we don't belong to you guys anymore. We serve a different king. It's Jesus, Yeshua. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So it's a radical thing. When you have communion, you got to think of this as a radical statement, a radical statement in the heavenly realm. Like, hey, I belong to him. I belong to Jesus, to no one else. It's a radical thing. 
So in these coming few moments, I'm going to have our, our, our welcome team, and those who have been instructed to, uh, to bring out the elements. And we're going to make a statement in the, in the heavenly realm that we belong to King Jesus, that we belong to, to Jesus. And, you know, um, anyone is, is welcome to participate in this. We celebrate communion in an open manner, which means that you don't have to be a member of Celebration Church to participate in this. But I do want to say this, that it is, like I said, it's a demonstration of our loyalty to Jesus. It's a demonstration of our loyalty to him. So it's important that you've made up in your own heart that, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to be number one. I want to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He's first in my life. When it's the, 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 the state of your heart or if you want to express this, maybe for the very first time in your life today, you're more than welcome to participate in communion. It is a declaration, it's a demonstration that he is king, that Jesus is king. So I'm going to have them bring out the elements, and um, if that's you, I'd love for you to participate this morning. We'll have a little piece of you know, bread, um, matzah, and we have some grape juice. No worries, we're not starting with the wine today. <laughs> but we want to declare that Jesus is king through that. So hold on to it as they, as they, as they hand it out. Hold on to it. And, and then the band's going to play, you know, a, a chorus of the song. And, and then we'll get back together. And, uh, and we're going to, I'm going to give a little bit more explanation. And we're going to pray together and, and give our whole lives to him through communion. So... So 
as communion elements are being handed out. Um, you know, just for you guys to know um, that we really want to encourage you to do this at home, to, to celebrate communion on a, on a weekly basis with your family or with your friends if, you're, if, you're, if you don't have a family at home. Because this is also a way to, to like show that, you know, Lord, you're king over my family, you're king over my life, you're king over um, my home. And um, so many of us were actually doing this on a weekly basis, just to, just to declare that, just to demonstrate that. And it's a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing uh, to do that. So I want to encourage you after service to pick up this booklet. It's called The Table. It's at the Welcome Center right there. It's free. Um, and it actually walks you, talks, walks you through the steps, the things you could do to make this a meaningful moment um, in your own home. But sometimes it's just really good to do this together as God's family on a morning like this. So maybe we can all just get up, uh, stand up right now. We're going to be praying for the bread first and, and then and eating it. And then we're going to drink the grape juice as well. Um, but the bread, the matzo here, it stands for the body of Christ. The body of Jesus that was broken for us. And I mean... One of the things that God is longing for to see in this world, one of the things that is needed to see the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, successfully spread and multiplied in this world is when we as God's children are one. God longs for wholeness in his body. And that is really, you know, his body was broken so that we could be whole personally. I mean, there's, there's testimonies of people getting healed as they celebrate communion at home or, or in you know or in church but it's also about God's body the, 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 sorry the body of Jesus that needs to become whole again and there's too much division there's too much you know friction between different parts of the body of Christ in the Netherlands and around the world but the Lord wants his children to be to come together to be united to be in agreement with one another and in agreement with his Holy Spirit so as we eat the bread Let's, let's think about what wholeness looks like. Let's believe for wholeness in our lives. Let's believe for wholeness in the body of Christ. And, and also make a commitment that if there's something between you and somebody else, um, here in a church or with another believer or even another person that is not a believer yet, to make it up, to seek wholeness in that relationship. Uh, uh, you know, as, for, the, for the part that is up to you, you know, of course, you're only responsible for your own actions. But I want to encourage you to do that. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, which represents your, this, the body of your son, Jesus, the body of Christ that was broken for us. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. We thank you, Lord, for the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Let's eat it. Jesus also picked up the, the cup with, in this case, it was wine. We have grape juice right here. Grape, the, the fruit of the vine represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Can you just think of that for a moment? Everything that you've ever done wrong, everything 
every way in which you're misrepresented the Lord and which you've been disobedient to him, the Lord wants to wash you clean from that through the blood of Jesus. All sins can be forgiven through the blood of Jesus. And he's lavishing that on us. The blood of Jesus also is the blood of the new covenant. Already spoke about that just a little bit, but you know, the old covenant was was you know, big part of that was the law, Ten Commandments and all the other laws that were there. And but they were written on paper. God wants to write these laws in our hearts. That's the new covenant. Like by way of his Holy Spirit, he wants to write those laws on our hearts. And he wants us to be led by that spirit, to walk according to the law, not because you know we're trying to keep his commandments or we do you know we're doing any of that. No, it's because his spirit lives in us. That's why we can walk in obedience to, to him and to his word. Blood of the new covenant. You know, through partaking in the meal, we also look forward to his return. It's not just about what happened in the past, that he died for us on the cross. We also look forward that to the moment where he comes again and, and, and will we'll bring in the fullness of his kingdom and seats us at the, t- at the table at the marriage supper of the Lamb where we get to drink the bread, uh, eat the bread and drink the wine together with Jesus and every other believer that's ever lived. It's a great and glorious future. Something happens around tables, I tell you that. So let's thank the Lord for, for the cup, for the blood of Jesus. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, who created the fruit of the vine. We thank you, God, for the grape juice that represents your blood, the blood that cleanses us from sin, the blood of the new covenant, the blood that not only, that not only makes us look back to what you've done for us, but also looks forward to your return. We thank you for doing this for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink the cup. Let's continue to worship.